in all situations. <clears throat> We're going to be talking about God's faithfulness. You know, I know this sounds kind of maybe trite or you, you keep repeating it and you think, oh, you know, you've known the Lord this many years. I'm just beginning to really understand how God has it all in control, how perfect is it? He can't make any mistakes. It's his faithfulness. He'll see things through. Um, I, I know the word of God says that, but you know, it's not like we have it in our, in our minds and depend on it and, and live by it. And so we're going to be uh, learning about Moses. And uh, we've got a neat little book here, nice graphics. I don't think that's what it probably looked like. But, uh, you know, you get the movies of Moses and all those things. And uh, read your Bible. See what God says. You know, I am really looking forward. I believe the Lord's going to show us those things that we would have liked to seen ourselves. I believe he's going to review that with us I'm uh, you know I think that's a godly thing to see what what, what those things happen I'd be just such a joy uh, to see all right we're gonna look at our text tonight it's a very long text about Moses uh, lesson one is Moses in the palace and learning uh, to honor God it's Exodus chapter one if somebody would like to turn there um, starting in verse 8, and then we're going to read all the way through chapter 2, verse 15. Exodus 1, 8, through chapter 2, verse 15. Do I have a volunteer to read a lot? Brother Mike. Yeah. 1, 8 through 2, 15. <clears throat> now there was... Now there rose up a new king over Egypt, which knew not Joseph. And he said unto his people, Behold, the children of Israel are more and mightier than we. Come on, let us deal wisely with them, lest they multiply, and it come to pass that when there falleth out any war, they join also unto our enemies and fight against us, and so get them up out of the land. Therefore did they set over them taskmasters to afflict them with their burdens. And they built for Pharaoh treasure cities, Python and Ramses. But the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and grew. And they were grieved because of the children of Israel. And the Egyptians made the children of Israel to serve with rigor. And they made their lives bitter with hard bondage, in mortar and in brick, and in all manner of service in the field. All their service wherein they made them serve was with rigor. And the king of Egypt spake to the Hebrew midwives, of which the name of one was Shifra, and the name of the other Pua. And he said, When ye do the office of a midwife to the Hebrew women, and see them upon the stools, if it be a son, then ye shall kill him. But if it be a daughter, then she shall live. But the midwives feared God, and did not as the king of Egypt commanded them, but saved the men children alive. And the king of Egypt called for the midwives and said unto them, Why have ye done this thing, and have saved the men children alive? And the midwives said unto Pharaoh, Because the Hebrew women are not as the Egyptian women, for they are lively and are delivered ere the midwives come in unto them. Therefore God dealt well with the midwives, and the people multiplied and waxed very mighty. And it came to pass, because the midwives feared God, that he made them houses. 
Pharaoh charged all his people, saying, Every son that is born ye shall cast into the river, and every daughter ye shall save alive. <clears throat> and there went a man of the house of Levi, and took a wife, took to wife a daughter of Levi. And the woman conceived and bare a son, and when she saw him that he was a goodly child, she hid him three months. And when she could no long, not longer hide him, she took for him an ark of bulrushes and daubed it with slime and with pitch and put the child therein. And she laid it in the flags by the river's brink. And the sister stood afar off to wit what would be done to him. And the daughter of Pharaoh came down to wash herself at the river and her maidens walked along by the river's side. And when she saw the ark among the flags, she sent her maid to fetch it. And when she had opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the babe wept. And she had compassion on him and said, This is one of the Hebrews' children. Then said his sister to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and call to thee a nurse of the Hebrew women, that she may nurse the child for thee? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go. And the maid went and called the child's mother. And Pharaoh's daughter said unto her, Take this child away and nurse it for me, and I will give thee thy wages. And the woman took the child and nursed it. And the child grew, and she brought him unto Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. And she called his name Moses, and she said, Because I drew him out of the water. And it came to pass in those days when Moses was grown that he went out unto his brethren and looked on their burdens. And he spied an Egyptian smiting in Hebrew one of his brethren. And he looked this way and that way, and when he saw that there was no man, he slew the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. And when he went out the second day, behold, two men of the Hebrews strove together, and he said to him that did the wrong, Wherefore smitest thou thy fellow? And he said, Who made thee a prince and a judge over us? Intendest thou to kill me as thou killest the Egyptian? And Moses feared and said, Surely this thing is known. Now when Pharaoh heard this thing, he sought to slay Moses. But Moses fled from the face of Pharaoh and dwelt in the land of Midian. And he sat down by a well. All right. As we travel through the life of Moses here, we're going to learn that those who honor God will be honored by God. Having received the best education available, Moses was being groomed for Egyptian royalty and would grow into strong willed and powerful man whom God would use mightily. The day came when Moses faced a crossroad and at this crucial juncture he had to choose to take his stand with his own people, the people of God. Now the Bible covers the life of Moses from birth until his death. The beginning of his life and the focus of this lesson is a beautiful picture of providential protection and divine preparation a theme often found in the lives of those whom God has used, and especially in the life of Moses. Moses, like Hezekiah and Daniel, was brought up in a palace and mentored by a ruler absolutely opposed to God's ways. Yet his environment did not determine his destiny. Rather, he chose to stand for the Lord and was ultimately used by God in a unique and a miraculous way. No matter what your background may be, like Moses, you can still be used of God. Consider the other biblical examples of men who God used in spite of past trials or disappointments. Abraham, 
He failed to trust in God's promise to give him a child through Sarah. He took matters into his own hands and had an adulterous relationship. Still, God used Abraham as the father of many nations, Isaac. He lied about Rebekah's being his wife when he was scared by the Philistines. Isaac also favored Esau over Jacob. God still used Isaac in preparing the way for the nation of Israel. Jacob, he deceived his father into giving him the birthright. As an adult, Jacob showed favoritism to his wife, Rachel, and her children. The Lord still used Jacob, changing his name to Israel, making him the father of the sons of the 12 tribes of Israel that they're named for. And if you look at those children, <laughs> certainly God can use anybody. That was a rough, rough group of men. David, not only did he commit adultery, but he also arranged a murder in an attempt to hide his sin. Many of his children followed his wrong actions and became involved with the same sins. David genuinely repented and God forgave him and used him as a human writer for many of the Psalms. So often Christians use their backgrounds as an excuse for failure. God is greater than a disappointing home life or a discouraging past. His word is clear that we can do all things through Christ. His indwelling presence can enable us to overcome the past and look forward to the future. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. In 1 John 4.4, 4, ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So we're going to start with the first point here in Moses. And yell it out once you figure it out. Nope. Preserved, got it. Preserved by God. Since God is the giver of life, He alone determines when it begins and when it ends. What a wonderful truth to know that God rules over all and that even if kings propose, he can dispose. Such was the case with the life of Moses, much like the wicked King Herod many years later in Matthew 2.16, Pharaoh attempted to exterminate all young Jewish boys. But God chose to preserve Moses for a special task that he had planned for him, just as God had planned had a plan for Moses. He has a plan for our lives. A unique purpose only we can fulfill. We should then seek to know and fulfill his eternal purpose. You know, there's a lot of great men of God. We study them, you know, but there was a lot more people of God than just those we, we read about, and they're all instrumental. You know, and sometimes I'll, I'll hear somebody talk about the great preachers and the great, you know, those great preachers can't help somebody in a little church and be there with them, you know. So there's a purpose, you know, for all of us. And we tend to, we tend to, like Brother Mike's kind of brought this up sometimes, we, we look at all these things and we determine, you know, these great people of God and, and uh, you know, that like every day of their life was like this, you know. And it's just bits and pieces. There's lots of time in between these things and there's other people of God there and so we're all important we all have a purpose a 
professor at a medical school once asked his students what they would recommend for the following situation. He stated, a husband and wife have come to seek your advice. The wife is pregnant and has tuberculosis, and the husband has syphilis. They had four children already. One is blind, another has already died, one is deaf, and the youngest has tuberculosis. What would you recommend if they asked you if they should have an abortion? Almost immediately, the students began to say that they would recommend an abortion. The professor quieted the class and said, congratulations, you just took the life of Beethoven. God's eternal purpose is not always immediately clear. And in the case of Moses, God may use even a simple midwife to fulfill his plan of preservation. You know, we don't have a lot of uh, sermons on the midwives, do we? In this passage, we see that Pharaoh commands the Hebrew midwives to put all the Hebrew male children to death. The midwives made a very wise choice, for as we read in verse 17, they chose to fear God and saved the male children alive. Now there is some question, I never realized this, just so you kind of know, as to whether these midwives were actually Hebrews themselves or rather Egyptians serving as midwives to the Hebrews. If they were Hebrews, they showed great trust in God for their willingness to do the right thing at serious risks to themselves. If they were Egyptians, they demonstrated an inner conscience based on God's moral law. You know, that's in every human being. Scripture tells us that. A conscience that told them that it was not right to kill these young children. Either way, they honored God in truth, and God honored them. Now we see another example of God's providential protection as Moses' mother, Jochebed, commits him to God's keeping in the Ark of Bulrushes at the Nile's edge. She knew she was not abandoning him because she knew she could trust God for his preservation. There's a great lesson here for parents to trust God with their children's lives. I have an illustration here. Many new mothers are often hesitant to put their children in child care because they are worried that another child will hurt their son or their daughter. Even parents of college-age students can be hesitant to let their children consider moving overseas to serve as missionaries. Oh, whole families in, in those areas. We need to remember that our children are God's, not ours, and we should trust him to take care of them. You know, I mean... It's in our nature, and it's a good thing to protect our children, but there's, there's a point where you, you, you can't let that just affect you. You just have to give it over to God. An example, um, Abby was up at Walmart, and uh, through some circumstances, she was, she was kind of up there by herself and, and Friday night, and it's late, and Patty was worried about you know her getting to her car. So, you, know, you know how moms do. And that's natural, and there's nothing wrong with that. But there's a point where you just got to say, you know, God, you got to take care of it. Um, and he did, of course. But, but we do really need to realize that it is, they are God's children. God delivered Moses from the small ark being submerged, preserved him from crocodiles, and protected him from a soldier who might have found him and fulfilled Pharaoh's command to kill the Hebrew boys. This kind of protection is emphasized in the song, God Will Take Care of You. I think you probably preached uh, out of that song, didn't you? 
God's preservation of Moses certainly ought to teach believers today that no matter what the circumstances, how dire they are, we can put our trust in God. You know, God's got a plan. It will be fulfilled. He's figured it all out ahead of time. That's hard for us to conceive, but what if God, you know, you start to think, what if God didn't have everything figured out ahead of time? What if God could make a mistake? You start running those, and you don't have a God. You absolutely have no God. I mean, the God of the Bible is an awesome God, and we can can take and have peace in that. Moses' persecution is not an isolated instant. In fact, the pages of Scripture are full of biographies of those whom Satan wanted dead, but God chose to spare. Joseph was one was falsely accused, thrown into prison, and left to die a lonely death. Yet the Lord delivered him and made him the second most powerful man on earth. Samson fell for Delilah's scheme, but God still allowed him to live long enough to hold the two middle pillars and pull down the Philistines' temple. And he ended up killing more in that incident than he did of all the times before. Evil men tried to Uh, to have Daniel killed by bringing him to the lion's den. God closed the mouths of the lions and saved Daniel's life. Paul faced much persecution, yet during his first imprisonment, he wrote four great epistles. The Bible repeatedly teaches us that God preserves those who honor him. So we have point A, his parents what? Honored. His parents honored God. Moses' parents were people who chose to obey God and not man. They realized that there was a great law. There's a greater law than Pharaoh's. Those who, like Moses' parents, stand up for God in difficult situations truly make an impact for God. That kind of goes along with this morning's message. The three Hebrews' children would not bow. Daniel refused to stop praying, and Paul would not silence his preaching. To honor God in a world generally hostile toward him, we must be willing to be different. Here's a quote. Devout Christians are destined to be regarded as fools in modern society. Supreme Court Justice Antonin Scalia. The Apostle Paul urged us to not be conformed to this world. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Amram and Jochebed realized that children are an heritage of the Lord. They did everything in their power to preserve the life of their child. Psalm 127.3, Lo, children are an heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of their womb is His reward. Let's go to point B. His parents were honored. You got it. After Moses' parents took a step of faith, 
First by hiding him and then later trusting him to God's care, God took over. As believers, it's imperative to understand that after we do all that we can do, we can trust God to take care of the rest. Hebrews 11, 6 and verse 23. But without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Verse 23, by faith, Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents because they saw he was a proper child and they were not afraid of the king's commandment. Pharaoh's daughter found Moses by the river. And just as that providential moment, the baby began to cry. Although she recognized him as a Hebrew child, one of those whom her father had commanded to be killed, God caused her to have compassion on the child and she was willing to risk Pharaoh's anger. We, too, need to practice this trait of compassion so that God can allow us to make a difference in the lives of others. All of us are presented with others' needs on a regular basis. Sometimes it's not always within our power to help, but we should never lose our heart of compassion. Compassion is what allows us to make a difference, and of some having compassion, have compassion making a difference, Jude one could only imagine the joy in the hearts of those parents when they saw the hand of God and the preservation of Moses. God had honored their faith and their obedience. You know, and, and as we were reading there, it's interesting and it's easy to remember, you know, the, the, his sister was there and went and got his own mother to bring him up. But I just saw in there, which has been there the whole time, what they paid of wages to. Jim Elliott is an example of a man who chose to honor the Lord in spite of the opinions of others. The Lord made it clear to him that he wanted him to be a missionary to the Aka Indians in Ecuador. Many people tried to convince him that it would be foolish to try to reach these people. They insisted that he would lose his life in this endeavor. He became famous for his response to these people. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. He did lose his life while ministering to these people. After he had worked hard to serve the Aukas, he was stabbed by the Aukan warriors. He had a gun in his pocket that he could have used to save himself, but he had already made the decision not to kill an unsaved Aka for the purpose of saving his own life. Eventually, Elizabeth Elliot. Jim Elliott's wife went back to the Aka Indians to reach those who had killed her husband. Jim Elliott left a good testimony, and many of the Akas were eventually saved. Proverbs eleven eighteen: The wicked work a deceitful work, but to him that soweth righteousness shall be a sure reward. Revelation twenty two twelve: And behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me, to give every man according as his work shall be. So, number one, we have preserved by God. Point number two, prepared. Prepared for royalty. From the very beginning, the Lord's hand was on the life of Moses. God preserved him, first from death at the hands of the authorities and then from the perils of the Nile so that he could prepare him to lead his people out of Egypt back to the land promised to Abraham and his seed. You know, I like looking at these little guys. You see God's 
uniqueness and prepared for them. And they're all (laughs) very unique and different. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see what God does with their, their lives. Okay, point A, he was brought in by who? Yeah, I think a little more. Um, I don't know if I spelled that right or not. That's one of those I have a hard time spelling, Pharaoh. Um, P-H-A-R-A-O-H-S. I have my own way of spelling. You knew what I was talking about. Moses' mother trusted God and saw God work genuine miracles on her behalf. Everyone knew Moses was one of the Hebrew boys that had been sentenced to death, but God miraculously caused him to be brought into the family, into Pharaoh's palace, and as the adopted son of Pharaoh's daughter. God rewarded the faithful Jochebed by allowing her to nurse her own son, at the bidding of Pharaoh's daughter. Realizing this, we must also echo, echo the words of the Apostle Paul. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways. Past finding out, Romans eleven thirty three. 33. Only God could have worked this out. Proverbs 21, 1. The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. As the rivers of water, he turneth it whithersoever he will. Uh, Here's another illustration. Gideon's International is an association known for providing Bibles all over the world. To date, they have delivered over 1.8 billion Bibles in over 190 countries. At their 1992 banquet, this testimony was given. A Christian man had a habit of reading Gideon Bibles in hotels he stayed in. And on one trip to the majestic Windsor Hotel in Montreal, Canada, He felt moved of God to write his spiritual thoughts in the margins. His greatest concern was the salvation of his son who rejected the Christian faith. At the end of his devotions, the man knelt by the bed in prayer. Three years later, that very same son visited Montreal. He stayed in the huge Windsor Hotel. Feeling depressed, he did something uncharacteristic. He picked up the Gideon's Bible from the night table. Leafing through it, he noticed handwritten notes and recognized them as the writing of his own father. The outpouring of his father's heart for the son's salvation so moved the young man, he knelt down beside the bed and accepted Christ as his Savior. Think about the favorable circumstances in your life that only God could be responsible for bringing to pass. Culture says it's who you know that gets you where you need to be. God says... It's who you trust that allows me to work. Are you facing a situation that seems impossible to solve apart from God? Learn from the faith of Moses' parents. Decide to act in faith and trust God for the results. So A, he was brought in by Pharaoh's daughter. He was brought up by the Egyptians. All right, even before the first letter. By the Egyptians. Acts 7, 21 through 22 says, And when he was cast out 
Pharaoh's daughter took him up and nourished him for her own son. And Moses was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was mighty in words and in deeds. Being a child of a ruler, such as Pharaoh, would have involved rigorous training and preparation. It is safe to assume that Pharaoh's daughter had great hopes for the young boy that she saved from certain death, securing the best teachers and tutors for Moses' training. Stephen testified that Moses was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptian and was mighty in words and deeds. Pharaoh's daughter's intention was to have Moses readied for Egyptian leadership someday, but little did she know that Moses' preparation was to be used to lead the Hebrew people to freedom. Moses had an Egyptian name, was reared by an Egyptian family, and grew up in Egypt, but he did not forget his people or his God. What a wonderful example for Christians today. While we live in this world, may we refuse the imprint of it. And may we take a conscious decision to live for the Lord Jesus Christ and to glorify Him in all that we do. 1 Corinthians 6, 19-20. What? Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? For ye are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. The Lord Jesus told His disciples, You are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. John 15, 19. Moses was in Egypt, but he was not of Egypt. Today we are in the world, we are not of this world. Let's make a focused effort to living this truth this week. There's, again, same thing being told to us today. So, he preserved, he's preserved by God, he was prepared for royalty, and yes, it starts with a P, no, this one's going to be a little harder for you. Ooh, I'm going to hang you. Pulled. Pulled to his people. Although raised by the Egyptians and educated in their ways, Moses was a Hebrew at heart. Now, an adult, he took the opportunity to see how his people were doing under the Egyptian yoke. What he saw distressed him greatly. Perhaps he was shocked to see the disparity between what he had been told in the palace and what he now witnessed for himself. Without thought for the, possi uh, uh, the possible consequences, Moses took a strong stand on behalf of one of his brethren, committed murder, and was forced to flee Egypt for his life. So A, he was willing to leave the palace good job he's willing to leave the palace Hebrews 11 24 through 27 by faith Moses when he was come to years refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season interesting to see the context of some of those verses that we use esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than treasures in Egypt for he had respect under the recompense of the reward by faith he forsook Egypt not fearing the wrath of the king for he endured as seeing him who is invisible well, you 
think about Abraham. He, his country, you know, he was looking for a country whose builder and maker was, was God. They had that future uh, thought and belief. And Peter, this morning, is telling us to have that same mind. In Hebrews 11, the great chapter of faith, the Lord tells us that Moses, by faith, separated himself from Pharaoh's household. Obviously, this meant that he was willing to leave his comfort zone. You need to pull a shade over there. That would help out. I see the light shining on there. <laughs> All right. Feel free to do that if you like. No longer would he abide in palatial surroundings, but would soon find himself alone in the desert. He was willing to say goodbye to the cuisine of kings, not knowing that God would later provide manna. This separation from Pharaoh's rule began with a willingness to stop living by sight and start walking by faith. Those who truly serve the Lord must remember that this world is not our home. We must be willing to follow Him in faith no matter where the path may lead. You know, I'm finding it's, it's interesting the, the path that God may have for you. George Mueller was a man with a heart for others, especially the orphaned children of England. He had a strong faith in God and trusted that he would meet each need of the orphanages he was able to start. On one particular occasion, there were 300 children in the home. They had no food for the children to eat. Mueller had the children sit down at the tables, and he began to thank the Lord for their food. As he finished his prayer, a baker knocked at the door to give them some bread. Then a few minutes later, the milkman knocked and explained that his cart had just broken down in front of the orphanage. The milkman offered Mueller the rest of the milk since it would have to be thrown out anyway. God always provides for his children. So, he was willing to leave the palace. He was also willing to what? His people. Defend. He was willing to defend his people. Although we do not commend Moses for committing murder or condone his action, we are encouraged by the fact that he rushed to the aid of an Israelite who was in need. God does not call us to reactionary anger when we see mistreatment of his people, but he does desire that we would love and support our brothers and sisters in Christ. The Bible teaches that we are to be concerned about the welfare of others rather than simply be focused on our personal well-being. And so I have a little story here. We were playing softball in the church league, and my son, John, who can get a little excited at softball, uh, got in an argument with a very angry fella on the other team. And it was about to go to blows. There was a lot of anger. But there was somebody who I will not mention that you would know, that picked up a bat and walked out to that pitcher and was going to help John. <laughs> now, I don't condone any of that. But that fella cared enough to go out and try to do something about something that shouldn't have happened. 
Moses was kind of in that area. Philippians 2.4, Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. A person's first response upon seeing two men struggling might have been, if I get involved, I may get hurt. Yet Moses' first thought was not self-preservation. It would be a wonderful practice to go through our day looking to help others who are struggling with a trial or problem. It was said about the Lord Jesus Christ that he went about doing good in Acts chapter 10, verse 38. In this, we should surely imitate our Lord. We never know where a small act of kindness might lead. Like Moses, Joseph, in Genesis 40, demonstrated concern for others. Joseph was in prison, yet even in this trying circumstance, he thought of others and asked two fellow inmates, former officers of Pharaoh, wherefore look ye so sadly today? Yeah. Joseph is probably my biggest hero in the, in the Bible. He certainly had his own problems, but Joseph chose to express concern for another. He was given an opportunity to show God's love and wisdom to these men as he, well, as he interpreted their dreams. Well, one of them turned out good. <laughs> the other one didn't. Hoping one would speak up for him when he gained his freedom, Joseph found himself forgotten and languished in prison for two more years. But the day came when God, when his God, given ability to interpret dreams was remembered and Joseph was brought before Pharaoh. Joseph pleased Pharaoh so well that he became his right-hand man, putting him in a position to save his starving family when they came to Egypt in desperation. Had Joseph been, Joseph been preoccupied with his own issues and ignored the two men, everything that occurred afterward might never have happened. What an encouragement to know that similarly, you and I can make a difference in someone's life today that could have repercussions for eternity. You know, a lot of times they're just little things, aren't they? Uh, just an opportunity to show care, love. Um, I was listening to, to Patty and one of the people at the home up there, one of the ladies, her birthday was coming up and, and Patty said she had asked for a lemon cake. And, you know, I just, hmm, that's interesting. I like lemon cake, by the way, in case you want to bake me something. <laughs> So it was about a week later, and uh, the girl at work, uh, she bakes a lot, and she brought in these big lemon cupcakes with blueberry icing. They were really good. had blueberries in the bottom of it. So I said, ding, that lady went in there. I can do that. And so uh, on my way home from work, I gave her, oh, well, first I asked her, I said, do you mind if I take one of these to a lady at a nursing home, I probably called her assisted living home and uh, she said oh sure you know I didn't think she'd mind but I, I just wanted to ask make sure it was okay so I dropped that off it was a busy day and then all sorts of things as it usually is and it was a hassle it just didn't seem like it was working out but made it work out I just simply went in and just gave it to her and uh, you know told her who I was and she she kind of knew who I was and she said uh, tell Patty thanks and I said okay well, I think it was about a week or two later that she pulled Patty aside and said, that is the best 
lemon cake with blueberries. I never thought that's the best thing I've ever eaten in my life. You know, and she thanked her so much. And this lady's kind of set aside and she really needs the Lord. So I got a joy out of that. Patty got joy out of that. And then I went back and told the girl who made the cupcakes. And that just like melted her heart out. That was so cool to her. Just little things like that. As we consider the inclination Moses had toward his people, may we be reminded of our God-given relationships as well. While we ought to be friendly to the lost as we attempt to point them to our Savior, our close friendship should be with those who share a belief in the biblical precepts on how, on which our lives are to be founded. Believers today should have an affinity for and a fellowship with other believers. We are brothers and sisters in Christ, and we ought to have camaraderie and a deep bond with others who share the same Father and ultimately the same eternal destination. Believers' closest friends should be those who will sharpen them, helping them become more effective for the Lord. Proverbs 27, 17. Do you desire to be with other Christians? Do your closest friends sharpen and encourage you to be a better Christian? Are you willing to leave the comforts of this world to be a help or an encouragement to God's people? Perhaps you can serve in the nursery? Whoa. I shouldn't have started out with that one. <laughs> that one you need to think about a little bit. Mow the church lawn. There you go. Or take a meal to a family in need. The possibilities and opportunities are many. May we seek to be sensitive to God's leading as we encourage his people. So the conclusion today of the message, God's hand was on Moses' life before he was even born. The same with us. Before we were even born, God had us figured out and designed with a purpose. He was with Moses as an adolescent, and we will see in the following weeks that as an adult, God used him to lead the children of Israel out of slavery God desires to be with us too. He longs to lead and direct us on life's journey. He stands ready to work mightily on our behalf. In spite of our mistakes and past experiences, may we strive to be like Moses in his willingness to accept God-given direction and responsibility. May we be determined to take a stand for God and for his people in a culture that is contrary to his word few questions on the lesson they're pretty they're fairly easy describe God's intervention in the birth and survival of Moses mm -hmm. all these people the mid midwives all these things He was born. Okay, that's good. For what purpose did Pharaoh's daughter have Moses educated by the Egyptians? Why was why is he being educated? To be the next Pharaoh, be the next leader. <laughs> what prompted Moses to commit murder?
What was Pharaoh's reaction to Moses killing the Egyptian? <laughs> in what miraculous ways has God, and I'll just leave these as open questions. In what miraculous ways has God intervened in your life, perhaps keeping you from serious harm or death? What opportunities is God giving you now to learn and grow in your Christian life, and how are you taking advantage of them? What opportunities has God given you lately to be a special help and encouragement to others? And then describe a time in your life that you considered a setback or a tragedy, but now you can see how God has used it to help you fulfill his will. Those are some pretty good questions things to think about so God has written all these things so that for our benefit for our, our learning and we're going to learn through Moses life let's pray father thank you for um, this study on Moses and may we take it to heart you're the same God and we're as important to you as Moses is and you have a purpose in our life. We are to find it. We are to obey you. We are to follow your leading in this life wherever it may take us because you know better than we do. And we can rest in that. We can trust in that. Help us to remember that as we go through life that you don't hold anything back that's good for us. You protect us and you have a design and a purpose and and so again, may we just remember that and be willing to allow you to run our life. And we know that it'll be ahead where we may have to see some of the things that we're going through right now, but we can trust in that. Now, Father, I want to tell you we love you tonight. Uh, just ask for your protection upon your people here in this church. May we pray one for another, care for one another love one another, for we ask it in Jesus' name, amen.